The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! James, hey James. Yeah. Can you can you come over here? I'm I'm crafting a letter. I, I'm gonna need. I just need your help. Can you, sure. Can you just sure. take a look over my shoulder here? Your middle names. Mom and Dad bequeathed you the middle name Grammarly, right? It was uh, one of the many middle names they they had uh, be bequeathed. Oof. Yeah, that's what they. Yeah. But are, um, do you have secret middle names? What are they? One's Danger. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yeah. I don't like to brag about that one. I'm very interested in that. However, I just need you to help. Just can you look over my shoulder? I'm drafting a letter here. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> all right, line one. Okay. Dear yep. life, I don't understand how us making up a silly podcast got us to this point, period. Are you, hmm. Is that okay? Is that sounding all right so far? It is. Now... Clippy would be a good character to insert in oh, here. I got it. You made a sock puppet version of uh, Clippy the Paperclip Man. I did. I did. Can, one. You, okay. can you bring you Clippy ju- out here? Can you Can you just check my grammar? <laughs> Hold on. Let me see if I can find him. <clears throat> I love that this is our, like, we had to, like, this is our attempt at a good one. Like, we're trying <laughs> for a good one here. And the best we had is a sock puppet. <laughs> Don't. Embarrass me in front of Clippy the puppet. Okay. okay. Um, all right. Don't. So if 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 you spot anything, or if Clippy spots anything, just let me know. I'm gonna keep writing here. It seems you're trying to write a letter. In September, I'm gonna keep writing here. In September 2016, we started a Third Man Records history podcast <laughs> where we did silly voices, comma, other insane things, comma got so many things wrong it enraged privately Ben Blackwell, comma. Oh god. Oh god, Clippy's becoming sentient. (laughs) (laughs) And now, comma, for some reason, a member of the Racket Tours is on our podcast, period. 
Tim Allen voice, question mark. On a typewriter, you call that symbol an uh? <laughs> XO, 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 Hags, Paul. What do you think? What do you think of that? What kind of world are we living in <laughs> where this is possible? <laughs> James, we have arrived. <laughs> Get excited. I love how I just ditched Clippy the puppet. <laughs> you know, sometimes you throw him away. You gotta just gotta throw him away. Welcome to the Third Men Podcast. This is a Jack White History Podcast. I'm your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your other co-host, James Kaminsky. And that's right. Sometimes we talk about Third Man Records history and movies and TV and music and albums. And, and sometimes, Paul, we get to talk to some famous people. Yeah, well, this one is a real surprise Reno, huh? Um, hey, you know, <laughs> took us by surprise. We've had a lot of people on this show. I mean, we've talked to a lot of people in and around the Jack White world, obviously, to kick off this season we're in right now, which is slowly drawing to a close, like on a like on a death march to a close. <laughs> we've talked to Olivia Jean, which was huge for us. That was a really big one. And then... As if it couldn't get any cooler or bigger, we had both Bobby Harlow and Lily Mae Rishi last year, and those were really big and huge and awesome. And then we talked to Sean Cannon earlier this year, who does the official White Stripes podcast, and we had Joe Ciccarelli on the season. We had so many people just, and that's just this season alone. This is It's amazing. I'm just describing this season. And then Out of the Stars... <laughs> arrived the guy who co-wrote steady as she goes with jack white u.s billboard top 200 number one recording artist brendan benson is joining us on the show today cannot believe i just uttered those those words it's amazing if you were to tell me that this is anywhere close to where this show would have been even a couple years ago i probably would have said that's ridiculous go home get a typewriter that works um i wouldn't have believed you and now we've talked to the man someone that me and paul have looked up to as a musician for quite some time and have been following his career for quite some time uh and has you know written some of our our favorite music yeah we're just so appreciative and a big big shout out to ben swank for helping to facilitate this interview you know I reached out to Ben because you and I were just really excited about the new record release, Dear Life, which is out now on Third Man Records, which you should all go and pick up in advance of this uh, interview episode. If you haven't already, give it a listen. We're going to be talking a lot about it with Brendan. Also going to be talking a lot about 1990s Ringo Starr with Brendan, so that got yeah. weird. <laughs> hey, hope you all like Time Takes Time because me and Paul do. <laughs> there was we're, a... we're forcing it on Brendan. I mean, because time is a flat circle and we have already recorded this interview, it, it's um, it's one of our most fun interviews, I think, ever. Um, not quite sure Brendan was prepared for who we are, <laughs> but got to know real quick. You will see there's a moment where he realizes what the show <laughs> is. We love you, Brendan, and thank you for coming on. Everybody should pick up Dear Life. It is fantastic some of his best work we were super thrilled to even get a new album and to talk to him about that album as it was coming out was amazing 
and I think you all out there will get uh, get some great conversations, some great information. Brendan let us walk through his career a bit and ask some questions that I'm not sure it was he was maybe initially inclined to answer, but did so very happily, and uh, it was a really, really fun talk. So anyway, we're going to get to that. So pick up Dear Life, out now from Third Man Records. If you can, support someplace local for the album. Either order it from the Third Man Records website, or if you're in the Nashville or Detroit era, there's a curbside pickup, I believe, at those Third Man Records locations, or order it maybe from your local record shop if they're doing any kind of delivery service or curbside pickup make sure you do all that first but either way get your hands on this record it's one of brendan's finest albums and i personally really love this direction for his music he has expanded into arenas that kind of borders on a little more on the poppy side, maybe there's some techno on there, some hip-hop influence, sitting very comfortably and naturally next to the rock and roll that he's so known for. So a lot of different styles swirling around this record. Really interesting release, so check mm-hmm. it out, pick it up, watch the music videos. Those are awesome, too. There's horses dancing. And, yeah. um, and James, before we get to all of that... Paul... Did you do some detective work? Well, I didn't, but someone did. Yeah, it's Rough Detectives. How fun. Each one is searching for that vital clue to end a story that so far has no ending. Also, two other intriguing mysteries needing but one final clue to solve them. Someone watching tonight may know the truth. Indubitably, my good woman. James, do you want to tell the people what Rough Detectives is? Sure, it's a segment I forced Paul to come up with. <laughs> when we do some extra detective work, or people out there do some extra detective work into some topics that uh, that seem to be a mystery, we decide to solve them. These unknown mysteries, these unsolved mysteries, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this one comes from Aileen Barbarino, and Aileen has uh, been a sort of a recent interactor with us. She is very slowly making her way through our back catalog, so she actually won't even hear us talking about these things for months, perhaps years. We've come up with a lot of episodes of this weird show of ours. So Aline just reached our big three episode, which is, I think, episode 33, which, by the way, the last episode was episode one, two, three, and we could have done another three one for that one, but we didn't. We could have. And anyway, so she just got to the big three. And in that episode, we talked about Jack White's infatuation, fascination, obsession, aggressive interest in the number three. Yes. So she took to Instagram to ask Jack about one of the things we talked about on the show. Now, for those of you who are not aware, Jack White in quarantine is mainly upholstering things it's great and he is in charge of the third man upholstery instagram handle yes and he talks about couches and the such on that and interacts with people on occasion and even more rarely than the interaction will answer a question 
And so Aline asked Jack on the third band upholstery Instagram page on a post that he did. She said, hi, Jack, I have a question. Does third man upholstery have the name because you were the third man to become an upholsterer in your neighborhood at that time? And that's the reason why you chose the name. So she was saying that based on we said that in our podcast when we were talking about the number three. We said he was the third... Third man in his neighborhood <laughs> to become an upholster. So Jack responded to Aline and responded with... You're banned forever. <laughs> <laughs> I was the third upholstery on my street, if you can believe that. Both Klomp and Muldoon were upholsterers on that street before me. Also, Ferdinand is the name of the street. Ferdinand third man so he was answering i think he meant to say upholsterer on my street he clarifies no it's the third upholsterer on my street and it's some kind of naming convention where it kind of sounds like ferdinand yes so we were right but just not specific enough and i i love that i thought that the the bit about ferdinand i had never heard that before i think that's very interesting now i don't know if he's he's just josh in there but I feel like he's not. That sounds like something he would do. <laughs> it, I mean, it does. And it's wild because it sounds like somebody's mumbling third man, I guess. <laughs> 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 Which movie are you going to see? Uh, Ferdinand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Ferdinand? No, 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 no. No. I wasn't talking about the movie about the bull that's animated by the blue sky picture. I was talking about the Orson Welles picture. <laughs> James, you ignorant slut. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah, she said her first instinct was to run and tell us about it, and I thought that was awesome, and so she did. She sent us an email. So anyway, thank you, Aline. That was really nice. I didn't even see the email. I'm glad you brought this to my attention on the show here. That's so fun. I'm so happy people are asking questions that we possibly got wrong. Yeah, but Um, we didn't, James. That's the takeaway here. The takeaway is we got it it right. We just were being kind of general and not quite as specific as we could have been no i'm glad we got some clarification yeah let's redo the episode and so there is another rough detective because once we started being dicks everyone started wanting to be wanting to be dicks private dicks there's another one but i don't have verification on it so i'm gonna do a little dickery of my own and i'm gonna i'm gonna dick around (laughs) i'm gonna dick around and find the answer to this thing. I just, I want it to be clear. Like, a private dick is, is, is another name for detective. I feel like that slang might be known, <laughs> well known to me and Paul. But it just yeah. might sound like we're just calling each other dicks. And we're you saying, and I, hey, we're pulp yeah. novel enthusiasts. <laughs> I will get back to that dickery. But, Hickory. But not today. Duck. So anyway, thank you for everyone out there doing detective work. Yeah, that's, it's great. So that's been, that's been Rough Detectives. It's been rough. It's elementary. What ties these events together is a global conspiracy that began at the start of World War II. It may still be going on today. We're going to get into this interview here. Everybody, I really hope you enjoy it. We had a really great time talking with Brendan, and we, you know, we want to thank him for taking the time. He talked to us for over an hour, and I don't think he was ready for that, actually. <laughs> but he did. No, anyway. I don't think he was prepared. Uh, for the time, uh, but I appreciate it nonetheless. And that was the first thing, but I think 
when when I brought up the podcast when I was talking to Olivia Jean at the last show I attended before quarantine, she that was what, like the first thing she said. She's like, "I talked to you guys for a long time." Yeah, <laughs> and so I think uh, you know time flies when time takes time, but. <laughs> I also think that uh, that time definitely goes when you and I have a million questions for a person <laughs> that we pre-write, mostly because if we didn't write a bunch of questions, we would stammer because we would be, we would just go blank. And so we just, we had so many questions and we prepared a lot and Brendan was very generous at this time, as are most of our guests. It was very nice of him to talk with us for as long as he did, especially when he had to parent and stuff. Yeah. Well, without further ado, we'll get into that interview here. Everybody enjoy. Hey, Brendan Benson was on the Third Men podcast. Here you go. Here's an interview in a bubble. We'd like to welcome our guest for this week, Brendan Benson. I uh, can't believe I uttered those words. Brendan, how are you? I'm very good. How are you? Oh, you know, fine. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, Brendan. We have been dying to talk to you for so long, uh, and we have so many questions. Wow. Thank you very much. Yeah. Happy to be here. Happy to be talking with you all. Yeah. So I guess, you know, we'll just kind of launch right in here because we've got a laundry list. We'll just go through a little bit of background, and then we'll, we'll talk about the new record, Dear Life, which we love. We're so into Dear Life. This is an amazing new record. It just came out at the time of this recording on Friday. James and I both have our copies. We're just ecstatic for the new music also, so thank you for that. Oh, good. Thank you. I'm glad. So I... I got to start here with a question that's been bothering us for some time. We were hoping you could shed some light on it. Now, we read in an interview when you were a young man just getting started out when you had moved to California for a brief while that you used to write songs at a farmer's market. And I was wondering, what farmer's market were you writing songs at, Brendan? Mm. Uh, Yes, in Los Angeles. That would be the Los Angeles Farmer's Market, uh, where I would sit at the... uh, there's a place called, there was a Louisiana place that served po'boys. I would get a blackened catfish po'boy and a coffee with chicory, <laughs> uh, like a cafe au lait with chicory. What the hell is that? The gumbo pot? I'll say it was called the gumbo pot. Oh, man. Is that right? But <laughs> anyone who would know, who, anyone who knows uh, the farmer's market back in the 90s, because it was kind of a, you know, it was a cool place to be, you know, it was, uh, it was kind of a hip. Good place to be for a minute there. <laughs> so just lots of like uh, you know bohemian cats just sitting around writing songs and eating po'boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bunch of us too. It was like this kind of crew, the almost like the Breakfast Club or something. We because we'd usually sh- you know a bunch of us would start showing up around eleven, ten or eleven in the morning and kind of just be there all day long, like in varying degrees of, <laughs> or, you know, some would come, some would go, whatever, but it was like an all day hang. Wow. It was fun. <laughs> so you grew up, you know, in a musical environment. We had read that, you know, your family's records were near and dear to you. And then you struck out on your own and, you, and you're writing. And, and I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about craft. When you're constructing a song, I find there to be a lot of almost you like play with pressure and release a little bit in there it's a, i think that's why people get that beatly vibe from it when you're writing a song are you thinking about craft consciously or is it more of like a gut thing that is just sort of ingrained from those formative years listening to music 
Uh, I think that I try not to think about it as a craft. I think that could serve to, I don't know, just kind of kind of wreck the vibe or ruin the... I think the craft part is kind of oftentimes the antithesis of the creative part. So I try, so it's kind of a... It's, it's a There's a balance there, you know? Some people did it really well, like the Beatles, you know? They were just like supremely great at, at, I mean, just, I don't know. I, I kind of, I just, I guess I maybe learned from them and, and from others, you know, learn to kind of copy that, but I don't, I don't know, just cause I think sometimes I'll put a bridge or I'll put a middle eight in my song, you know, yeah. that's a very Beatles thing to do. People kind of identify that as like being crafty, you know, or being like kind of, you know, Gershwin would do that. They'd have like, you know, intros and, middle section and you know I do like that too you know I think that's kind of interesting and theatrical it's kind of it's kind of a theatrical thing you know? Drama- it's very dramatic and, but yeah like I said I try not to think too much about well I need a bridge here you know I just try to go with it <laughs> right your voice just you have that melody just ingrained in that voice of yours. And when you do build up to those uh, choruses, they just absolutely soar. I mean, it's my favorite thing about your songs, I think. We've got all that build, and then your voice is yeah. just, it just takes off. I appreciate that. I mean, I think, I think I do try to make choruses. At least I do try to make those, put some thought into that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, and make them sound big, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's about as much as I... Much of the craft is, I think, you know, about. Right. Well, some of those choruses that have that kind of feeling that catch me and Paul's ears are on the album What Kind of World, uh, which we love so much. Oh, wow. Thank you. So thank you for that. It's so good. Do you look back on any of your past records and go like, hey, I enjoy this? Or how do you how do you look back on on some of your previous albums? Or cringe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A little bit of both. A little kind of all of the above. Um, I, yeah, the, my first record, One Mississippi, I kind of can't listen to. I just can't. <laughs> it's just too cringeworthy for me. I, I don't know, man. It's just a, I was a different guy then. And no, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of kidding, but yeah, I, I, I don't love to listen to my own records. And, but there's sometimes, like, in fact, I was just talking with Michael Ilbert a minute ago who is the mixer on this record, Dear Life. And we were saying how these songs still kind of hold up. Like, it's been, he mixed the record of three or four years ago, I think, or something. And and we were just talking about how we still enjoy the record and we still are putting it on. Like, you know, because the, the mixer, too, is like, you know, he's heard these songs a million times. Usually, it's hard to listen to a record you've mixed because... Mm-hmm you know, for various reasons, you're sick of it <laughs> and you might've done things. You might want to change things about it, but you know, I don't know. It just, I think this record is special. I mean, I'm really proud of it. I really, I've never, I kind of haven't felt this way about a record since my first record and maybe Lapalco. just proud and, and wanting to show the world, you know, wanting to play it for the world. And, uh, and then, you know, the virus strikes and the, <laughs> I can't play it for the world, but I can, but virtually. Yeah, it but hasn't anyhow. stopped you. The Boy in the Bubble series is so good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, we've been trying to catch him live as much as we can. Oh, good, yeah. It's amazing. It's kind of hectic, man. <laughs> I feel some pressure now. At first I was like, you know, 
I feel like we were also like in the same boat, kind of. And uh, fuck it, I'm just going to go on and play a song every day while we get through this together. And now I just, I think people have come to rely on it. <laughs> people are depending <laughs> on me. <laughs> so it's like, you know, taking on a whole new, ooh, ooh, kind of scary. Yeah, it feels very relaxing. <laughs> oh, good. You're there. Smoking weed. <laughs> It's a very tropical-esque environment. Oh, good. Very chill, very relaxed. (laughs) And the pressure only really kicks in when Leslie Nielsen pokes his head into the cockpit and says, I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. (laughs) Right. That's kind of what it feels like. Obi-Wan saying, you're our only hope. (laughs) (laughs) Leah, Princess Leah. You know, that series has a personal feel to it, and the new record, Dear Life, has a big personal feel to it as well in fact it's one of the things i like the most about your songwriting we were just talking about what kind of world i think of a song like on the fence and that's so anthemic to me as a song about the paralysis of change with so many years removed from that album do you recognize the songwriter that wrote sitting on this fence still if you were to pop that record on now would that song mean the same to you now in 2020 as it did in 2012 when you wrote it? No. 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 <laughs> no. Not at all. I mean, that, um, I mean, may, I, I shouldn't say not at all because, uh, yeah, I'm still indecisive, but I've made a lot of uh, progress since then. <laughs> I've grown up a ton, in fact, in the past 10 years. So I'm a pretty different person than I was. And I'm, you know, happy to say so because. That'd be weird. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, uh, that song to me is, I don't know, more that self, I, I think selfish, kind of indulgent, younger me, you know, artist kind of maybe using a lot of artistic license. Rest assured, tomorrow I'll be home Cause you know I never could I never was no good Lord knows that being on my own Never been the type to want to settle down Nowadays, I'm, I think I'm more uh, confident in myself, and and I, I I sing about things that are kind of real to me, and kind of not you know trying to be someone else, not trying to be still trying to be the younger me or something, you know. Right. I'm just trekking on. <laughs> well, one of the year's highlights was actually from the Rack and Tours, uh, from the Third Man Records Vault release of the Tulsa show. Uh, in which you and Jack do an acoustic show, which had a surprising cover from Jack when he did Metairie, yeah, which is a song from your younger self, and we really love that track so much. Oh, we had that EP yeah, since the day it came out. Can you tell us a bit about how you wrote that song? Is it autobiographical? Is it a character piece? Uh, it's it's a little bit 
like many of my songs, I think it starts out kind of autobiographical or maybe not necessarily starts, but there's some sort of autobiographical element to it. And then, then there's a lot of adornment, a lot of, a lot of, uh, like I said, artistic license taken. And I mean, cause, well, I don't know why that is, but that's sort of how it is. And Metairie was, uh, yeah, just, I think I was writing a lot of songs about, I was just, I was really kind of lonely. I was just a lonely kid, man. I was always looking for wanting to meet the girl who was going, you know, would save me and answer all my prayers and love would conquer all. And I'd be, I wouldn't be sad or lonely anymore. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that, that was kind of where I was coming from a lot. And I don't feel that way now. Met a girl, introduced myself. Yeah. I asked her to go with me. Writing a song, I don't know. Yeah, I just—it's uh, hard. That was so old. That was so long ago too. It's hard to remember a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do remember. Like, I do remember. I had gotten a new drum set, and I was really excited to play on this song, my new drums. And but I, the problem—I had this little cassette. I was using this little cause Porta Studio cassette player thing, and, and there was only had I could only use headphones and I couldn't really hear when I played the drums they were too loud and I couldn't really get a good balance so I couldn't really hear the track so I played these drums not being able to really hear <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. in yeah. the end they're really bad it's like a hilariously <laughs> really bad drum Did Jack give you any insight into why he may have chosen that one to play during the acoustic set? No, no. He, uh, I was, I was surprised to hear him do that as well. Cause, um, I mean, he's famous, well, not famously, but he's done kind of, you know, he's covered my songs in the past, like, uh, folk singer and, um, good to me. Yeah. So that was strange that he did. And I'd never heard him play that. I've heard him play other songs, like just when we're kind of sitting around or whatever, but, yeah, yeah, so that was really kind of out of left field. But that's him. You know, he'll just do something totally weird that yeah. you just yeah. wouldn't expect. Met a girl, introduced myself. Asked her to go with me, no one else. She said, I'd really like to see you every day. I think I did Sugar Never Tasted So Good because yeah. um, that's kind of one of my favorites of his. Thank you. Thank you very much. I want to do one of Jack's. This is one of my favorite songs of his, all right? 
Sugar never tasted so good. Sugar never tasted so good. Oh, sugar never tasted good to me. We were big White Stripes fans, and when the tours were happening, you know, we decided to dig into yourself and the Greenhorns, and oh, cool. we got the Metairie EP first, and that was the one we had first from you, so there's a special place, I think, in both of our hearts for that song. And, and those well-fed boys. Uh, yeah, the well-fed <laughs> boys. That's awesome. That's cool that you, that you just... I like that you kind of found me through Jack. That's you... I mean, I don't know. That's kind of what I would hope for, you know, like, uh, to, to, uh, help my solo career, you know, that I thought, I always thought the raconteurs was going to really help my solo career. Cause I've been doing, you know, I've been solo long before the raconteurs, and, but ironically it, it really hasn't. It, <laughs> I don't know what that says. <laughs> but, but it has me and Paul, cause we dug in and we dug in deep. That's cool. I'm glad. The songs were so beautiful. Like, And that was the first time I'd heard Alternative to Love. And then I started digging around there. And you chose to cover Let Me Roll It. Yeah, yeah. yeah and James and I are huge Beatle fans. And ever since I heard that on that Metairie EP, I've been dying to ask you why you chose to cover Let Me Roll It. I mean, it's not an obvious choice for a cover. It's, you know, a little deep cutty a little bit. You know, it's not a single or something like that. So what is is it about that song that made you want to record it? Well, I think the reason I chose it was because of Paul McCartney's version or Wings' version. I think it's Wings at that point. I don't know if it was Paul McCartney and Wings, but anyhow, I don't even remember what album it's on. But I love it, and it's. But I always thought this is so under. This song is so underrated, man. So like this riff is cool, and I don't know. It's just such a cool song. Did he play it for the Beatles or something? He didn't, but John Lennon wound up nicking the riff for a song of his called Beef Jerky on the uh, Walls and Bridges LP the next year. Yeah. 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 That riff is so badass. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. That song's really fun to play live, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's where McCartney tends to excel in Wings, is when he can do those kinds of riffs. Yeah, I'm a, huge, I'm a massive fan of Wings, you know? I mean, I'm a John Lennon fan, I think, you know, I think I, if I'm pressed, I would probably choose Lennon over McCartney, but I'm such a huge Wings fan. I think, I mean, yeah. Band on the Run is like one of the best records made. Yeah. I 
have one more Beatle question for you. I hope you don't mind the Beatle talk. I just had one more. It's the Beatles hour with Brendan. <laughs> no, I don't care at all. You, uh, you cover Don't Go Where the Road Don't Go at the David Lynch Foundation salute to Ringo? <laughs> so, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> Well, that was so weird. I mean, you kind of answered my question. What? Like, How was that? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I don't I, even know. I mean, well, I'm like, I'm always happy to go where, if I'm invited to go, like, hang out with a beetle, yeah, I'm going, right? <laughs> so, and it was, it's like Joe Walsh and, like, all these guys, man, just all-star cast, yeah. And, right, and then in the end, we're all singing, like, I don't even know. Like, we're all singing "Happy Birthday" to Ringo Starr on the stage, and I'm standing there, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing there. <laughs> it was so weird. Oh, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was a, it was just one of those like, uh, you know, set up by my manager, I think, or or by, you know, I don't know what the hell, but because I've been to a couple now, I've been to a couple of Ringo events, and I'm, you know, pretty badass. Just like meet, you know. I, all those people. I mean, Joe Walsh, Peter Frampton. You know, uh, the guy from uh, uh, that you were also. Well, I wonder if that was killer, man, to meet him, and he he was really cool too. Oh, Still a badass. Yeah, man, a wizard, a true star. One of my favorite albums. I like uh, something, anything. Yeah, and Brunt. Uh, yeah, you on the David Lynch Foundation thing for Ringo was surreal for me as well because I think my father called me and said. Hey, <laughs> I hear that a lot lately. Oh yeah, my dad turned me into <laughs> Yeah, because we oh, we turned disturbing. our father into a a Brandon Benson fan, and he called us up. He's like, "Hey, is, is that him on there?" That's so funny. Because you weren't playing Octopus's Garden or something. You were playing "Don't Go Where the Road Don't Go" from his 1992 Time Takes Time LP. Well, I was given. Let's see, how did that work out? I think I was given songs. We were given a list of songs that we could do, and they had to be Ringo songs, because we all were doing Ringo songs. Right. And maybe, and list, I don't, I think the list was kind of like, kind of included some songs of like maybe his picks, you know, or I don't know, because yeah, that's a weird one. But I really dug it. I really dug the song. It's good. Kind of learning it, because I didn't know it, didn't know it, but but in the end, I was like, yeah, this is a kind of sweet song. (laughs) Yeah, 1992, Ringo, right there. Is that is that what that is? <laughs> Somehow it kind of isn't fitting with the fact that I that I also sang on an Iggy a Stooges record, but a Stooges record which was made in two thousand <laughs> two thousand six or whatever. Yeah, it, was. it counts. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. It's still them. I can't remember two thousand ten maybe. I'm going to go ahead and send you a vinyl copy of Time Takes Time from 1992 so you have uh, a copy of Don't Go Where the Road Will Go. All right, thanks. Um, <laughs> time Takes Time? It's a, it's time a, Takes Time? That's the album. It's got a, a few of the Eagles on there, you know. It's got, I think, Timothy B. Schmidt is doing some high harmony in that. 
It's wonderful. It's weird. Like it was my first concert. I was I saw that tour. Oh wow! And that and so it was so surreal to be watching Brendan Benson sing that song. I'm sorry. I don't mean to dwell on "Don't Go Where the Road Don't Go." It's weird to me. That's all. <laughs> it's all weird. It was weird. Definitely dwell worthy. <laughs> and that wasn't the first time you played the David Lynch Foundation either. You did a Brendan Benson and Friends which included the Howland Brothers, and we've had Jared Green on the show. Ooh, awesome. Jared is a badass. Oh, he had terrible things to say at you, but no, I'm just yeah. kidding. Oh, sure. Uh, how did you get involved with the David Lynch Foundation? Actually, through my manager, my manager then. I don't know, I can't remember how yeah, how it all started, but we did kind of go on a little bit of a, we did have a little a romance for a while. Me and the David Lynch Foundation, we were doing all sorts of things. I don't know. I think, honestly, I can't really remember. I think it was, um, I think it was more to do with my manager at the time. And, okay. And I'm done with transcendental meditation. So, and as, you know, possible treatment for different things, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I'm down. You know, so I think there's some good shit there to be learned. Yeah. You might accidentally write Dear Prudence uh, when, you know, so you right. never know. <laughs> Right. Go out to the David Lynch, you know, farm, whatever he is, and <laughs> trip out, write some weird, trippy music. Well, we've dwelled on the past too much. Let's get into this new album, Dear Life, which is amazing. Hold on, let me, can I just pause here to be a parent for a oh, second? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, go on. This has been a parenting interlude. Uh, me, yeah, me and Paul are parents <laughs> as well. So you might hear my child screaming or hear oh, good. him yeah. watching Netflix. He's watching a show I, called Little Bum Bums or something. <laughs> I thought I heard some noises in the background. So yeah. uh, Little Bum Bums is on Pornhub Jr. Uh, it's a real... <laughs> oh my God, Pornhub Jr. Jesus. That's hilarious. I saw a sign for Pizza Hub. Like somebody had a restaurant Pizza Hub and it was like the same song. He only sells sausage. Pornhub, yeah. Why is Pornhub taking over? Like they're getting they're like really popular. They're like sure I see guys with like t shirts on and shit. <laughs> Isn't that are we supposed to be keeping that under wraps? I thought I mean, you'd think so, but the coronavirus has turned the world upside but, down. Okay. So black is white. <laughs> Pornhub is fine. Yeah. No one no one cares anymore. <laughs> but yeah, dear life. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the longest gap between records that you've had in your career, it seems, which is besting the gap between one Mississippi and Lapalco by about two years. Did your approach to writing and recording music change in the years that passed? No, no, I just, uh, you know, with me, it's always kind of been difficult. Every time I make a record, I kind of have to, it's a new, I got to go hit the pavement again, you know, knocking on doors like, hey, you want to put out my record? Hey, you want to play in my band? Hey, you want to tour with me? Hey, can you be my tour manager? Hey, so it's like, I don't know. I mean, I can't afford to hire people, you know, like put them on retainer or whatever it is. So it, it takes me a long time. It, it takes me just longer to kind of drum up business every time. I'm not like, I don't know. It's just, and then there's other reasons. Like, like recently I was, you know, just becoming a father. I kind of didn't, I didn't want to hit the road. So I tried to produce more, tried to stay home and produce other artists and write and do co-writing. So I was doing stuff, but I wasn't, 
you know, I just wasn't making records. Yeah. And that's kind of it for me. I've been that way always. And I've always had to answer to it, you know, like, why didn't you, why so long? You know, I don't know. It's just not, it's not a matter of like, well, it didn't, it, you know, I, I didn't have any ideas. It was like, well, I just couldn't get the record out. This record, like for instance, Dear Life is at this point, maybe five years old. Right. I mean, I recorded and toured a record tours while this yeah. record was on the shelf, you know? Yeah, there's like various reasons. Well, I'm happy to be a part of the long line of people to tell you how dare you. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I'm not complaining or anything like that. But yeah, that question is just, I don't really ever have a great answer for it. I mean, being a parent is a perfectly fine and acceptable answer, Brendan. <laughs> that's probably good. That, that, yeah, that's the best one. Yeah. I don't know what I did between London, Mississippi and Mapalco, though. Uh, you know what I did? I moved. I moved from California back home to Detroit. Right. That happened. And so there was a lot there, too. I remember a book of a girlfriend, you know, long-time girlfriend. It's a big deal. Shit happens. I don't know. Well, this new album is amazing, uh, and it hooked us from the first track. Open up your heart, baby, and let somebody in. Let's roll it back to the start and try this once again. Sometimes you gotta spell it out so I can understand. But you know when it comes down to it, I'm your man. It's a great combination of everything I loved about your music previously with a modern sound to the production. Were there any influences who were top of mind when recording and writing this album? Well, I think a couple things happened. One was, yeah, I was listening, I, and I do still listen to a ton of like hip hop and rap. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't listen to a whole lot of new rock music, so I don't, I kind of don't know what's going on there, you know? <laughs> like, so when I started writing rock music, I had no clue I don't know. I wasn't following any trends or styles or sort of, you know, I don't know, the, the latest thing, you know. So I think the other thing about it, this record that is maybe a little different from the others is that I worked a lot in the box, so to speak, like in Pro Tools. I used a lot of software instruments yeah. because I couldn't, I moved out of my studio into my home in my basement where I had just a simple rig and I couldn't set up drums. I couldn't play guitars real loud, you know, not always. So I, I started relying on, I got under headphones and listened to different textures, different things I found like, so that first song, I can, if you want me to, is a great example. Cause you know, normally I think there'd be like a chugging guitar right there. That, right. that would be my go-to, you know, right. floor right. on the floor, kick drum, sing it right. And but I couldn't really do that because it was maybe it was too loud that night that I found this cool, yeah, like, like this sample thing. I don't even know what it is to this day. I, I can't remember what happened. I kind of messed with it and it was starting to sound really cool to me. And it was just like, damn, this is kind of like doing the job of what a guitar would do for me. Right. Same kind of... I mean, I didn't really think too much about it, like, at that time. But in retrospect, I think that's what I was feeling, I think. I think that's what I was kind of thinking subconsciously. Yeah, this does yeah. the same thing as a guitar for me. It's same power, same kind of power. Wherever the power comes from, it, doesn't, it can be guitar, it can be a kick drum, an 808, you know, it can be a synth line, I don't know. But 
Right. Or as Jack says, uh, hand me an accordion and I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll do something with it. Right. <laughs> I'll blow your mind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hip hop thing is something I definitely picked up on. I love the sound of this record, Brendan, the production is hitting my sweet spot here. There's that eighties ish kind of vibe, that little techno thing in, in places. And you mentioned the drum programming in an interview. There's like this dreamy synth poured all over it. I, when I heard it's good to be alive, which was the lead off, single it toggles between like moody cynical and then like bright and techno bouncy do you ever ever, do you ever find yourself split in that way like when you were writing this song were you thinking about it in terms of like cynicism versus optimism and like the choice between the two at all or um yes to a degree because there was kind of a theme popping up i thought on the record which was just that kind of life and death or you know, yin and yang, or mostly, mostly life and death. I mean, I think this record is about that for me. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's the first record that I've, I mean, it's the first time in my life that I've ever thought about dying, really seriously dying, you know, like thought seriously about it. Like, like, wow, I got to make plans for it. I got to like, you know, what the, and then I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss all these people. You know, it's like, I don't know. So I think I started kind of, I know it sounds a little morbid, but I started kind of thinking about that a lot and, and what is important. And, and I think that's what's coming out on the record. I mean, not always. A lot of things are real lighthearted. Like, you know, um, I mean, like Richest Man, in fact, is just a really lighthearted song. I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really, you know, I love my family, but it, it was just sort of was kind of a silly thing to sing about, I thought. But it's cool because a lot of people take it very seriously. I mean, and actually, and that's great. I mean, I don't know, but it's, some people can are. It's really comforting to them to know that it's okay to be. You know, it's it's cool to be not cool. It's okay, you know, to not to be uncool. Right. <laughs> it's okay not to be cool. <laughs> I love you, whatever you do. Ever since your birth, it's been heaven on earth, and I learned that you're perfect in my eyes. I guess that's the vibe I get from it overall, though, is the, is the optimism might be winning if there is a struggle there, because it's a, a life-affirming record, I would say. I mean, it's in, it's right there in the title. Yeah, yeah that's uh, a friend of mine said that, life-affirming, and I kind of laughed, but then later, I kind of think, thought that, that he kind of nailed it. I mean, and, and yeah, it is, and it sounds like maybe like, I don't know, it doesn't sound like the record kind of record I want to buy, like... It's not the kind of movie I want to rent, it's not, but, <laughs> but, um, but it is what it is, man. It is what it is. It's like, that's me in this moment in my life and so be it. Yeah. So, and I think a lot of people can relate to it. 
and I've got this problem with old people trying to be young, you know, trying, still trying to like put one on, <laughs> put one over on us. Like, dude, you're, you're old, man. Like, and I know for a fact that you're happily married. So what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> thinking about like, you got, you know, you're trying to get some girl. I mean, I don't know. Just trying to keep it real. Well, talking about richest man, we were actually gonna mention the brass section on that song. My God, amazing! Love those big horns. Oh, good, thank you. Well, which because there's two songs and two horn sections. I'm sorry, I'm spacing out. I just one song has real horns and one song has fake horns. So I uh, challenge you to so your life is <laughs> the other song and richest man. Yeah. So that'll yeah. be the horn challenge okay. for okay. people. <laughs> we, I'm not going to – on a later episode, I'll, I will reveal the answer. <laughs> yeah. The Third Men Podcast Horny Challenge, sponsored by Pizza Hub. <laughs> uh, right. The answer will be in the description below. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, wait, this is the podcast. Sorry. Let's talk about the amazing music videos for both of those. Good to be alive at Richest Man. Your videos are always good, but these ones are particularly fun and colorful. I especially glommed onto Richest Man. The animated bits are, are really just, they catch that kind of lighthearted sunshine yeah. that you were talking about yeah. earlier. We have a couple of questions on these. First, whose dressage horse is that that you were hanging out with at a stable? Yeah. Follow-up, was that Mr. Bojangles, the one you thank in the uh, in the description in the liner notes? Yeah, the one. <laughs> Wait, say, say those two questions again. <laughs> uh, who's, whose dressage horse were you hanging out with in the stable? Um, that, I don't, well, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I can't remember. Let me, I mean, if I looked at these liner notes, wait, Mr. Bojangles. Um, <laughs> was, that was my follow-up question. Jerry Thornton, Nervioso, and Mr. Bojangles. Jerry Thornton was the trainer. Okay. And, those, and Nervioso was the black horse, and Mr. Bojangles was the white horse, and they were, like, incredible. They, I mean, he could... They could do everything. They like shake their asses, like they were dancing. <laughs> they would like bow down. They would. Oh my god, it was crazy. I was so curious about Mister Bojangles in the liner notes. I had a separate question here, but you just answered it because I was like, "Is it uh, the horse? Is it the nitty gritty dirt band song? Is it some kind of skeletal demon <laughs> producing your material on the side? What is happening?" <laughs> Mister Bojangles. Yeah, that's that horse. In fact, it's not even the real. That wasn't even the horse's name. I think that's like a show. That's like the show name. The guy didn't. Even, Jerry didn't even tell us because he kept whispering. He kept when he would talk to the horse, he'd use a different name. What? <laughs> but he was always whisperer? telling us, like, "Yes, this is Mr. Bojangles." Wait, wait, wait. When we were crediting Mr. Bojangles, I felt like you know, I want to kind of want to, I want to put his real name in here. 
<laughs> Wait a it's, minute. I mean, it's too boring to put it. It's just Steve. The horse has a secret identity. Are you getting that? Are you recording? Are you yeah, getting all this? I am now recording. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am now recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh boy! Yeah. Wait, is that a massive joint you're smoking at the end of the video for Richest Man? Yes. <laughs> okay. Wait, um. Actually, I've never seen the joint. Really? Am I? It's an animated joint, I think. It's an animated joint. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I didn't even notice that. What the fuck? I gotta go look. Uh, Are you serious? Are you being serious? No, yeah, I'm being totally yeah. serious. Yeah, you, you like roll yeah, yeah. up in a car and you've got a big joint in your, in your mouth. and well, Either that or it's a cigar, but I assumed it was a joint. Um, yeah, it's got to be a joint. That's badass. I got to go look at that. Okay. <laughs> uh, follow-up question. How often are you crushing it on the roller disco floor these days? <laughs> these days? Uh, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I believe uh, that's on the list of no, no goes. That's um, not an essential business? That's not essential business, apparently. <laughs> um because I showed up with my skates ready to go and yeah. they were all taped it was all taped off um <laughs> no I'm I'm not a huge roller I'm not a roller skating guy at all I mean like and that was just I don't know you know you kind of it's funny things sort of get attached to you that you didn't necessarily ask for like that was just the video it was an idea for the video and I was like yeah okay sure roller skating now I'm like roller skating guy <laughs> 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 gotta be careful when I choose my videos. But it fit the aesthetic of the song though so well. That breakdown is so good. Yeah, I, I kind of agree too. Like, and so there, and so that's why you have the video. That's <laughs> what we're skating video. But after staying up for days in a strong illicit haze, he said, "I've come back from the dead." Little puffs of smoke from his mouth when he spoke, and this is what he said. It's good to be alive. It's good to be alive. It's good to be alive. Which Speaking of those kinds of aesthetics of the songs, the genre of the kinds of songs kind of on the album shifts from song to song in really interesting ways. Like Baby Eyes seems like it could be a George Harrison tune. And then you have like some like Dave Grohl like rockers on there and, and like some country twang and, and half boy. What were some of the influences pushing the genre in there? Like you said, hip hop was was a big one. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. If hip hop. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say that hip hop was a. I, I just said that I was listening to a lot of hip hop. Okay. And, um, cause you know, I think that might be misleading to say my, you know, my music is definitely far from hip hop, but anyhow, um, there wasn't nothing like directly that I can remember. Like I, it's, it's strange. Usually when I, when I'm writing a record or, you know, actively recording an album, I think I, I don't listen to a whole lot of music. I might listen to music just to kind of reference or something, but, you know, it's like, oh, maybe this sounds too much like this song, or I really like the way this song sounds. So, you know, if I'm trying to get a tone, I don't know. So I'm not really kind of just enjoying music, mm -hmm. uh, which is hard for people, I think, to understand 
that don't record music because you know recording music is pretty exhausting and you're, at the end of it you're just pretty tired of listening to music <laughs> you know what I mean and you're because you're listening so critically and you're listening so like intensely and so yeah and once again forgot the question oh yeah what was <laughs> what was influencing me I don't know man I think it's oh, I, I think it's just an accumulation of things that happens with me when I'm, you know, when I'm writing music, I think I'm just kind of drawing on everything I've ever known really, or, you know, learned or thank God, really, that's kind of the whole point. You know, I kind of keep practicing and practicing so that when, you know, when the inspiration hits, then I can write a song. Cause if I hadn't been, you know, just letting the music happen, I don't know. I don't know. It's so hard to explain. It sounds like that's I know what you mean. Like, I mean, like too. <laughs> <laughs> when I listen to a song like Freak Out, I listen to your Pandora stories and you were talking about how that was based on a panic attack in the studio that you, you sort of forced yourself to work through. But, you know, when I listen to a song like that, that one really gives me some one Mississippi vibes, you know, but like there is some I mm. feel like this record has a great mix of all the different eras of your music. I wondered if... Oh, cool. I know you have trouble listening to your old records, but I was wondering if the vinyl re-release of One Mississippi from Third Man this past year maybe influenced some of the rockier songs on this new album at all, maybe? Well, I did, and listen to that, of course, yes. Because that record had never been on vinyl, so I was pretty excited. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, like, kind of... I think you just kind of reiterated what I said. Like, I think I've been on my records. I think I go a lot of different places too. I don't think I've ever really like been, you know, playing one particular brand of music, you know, like, like Weezer kind of has one sound, you know, I think, or not one sound, but you know, they have sound, I guess. I've never had a sound and which allows me to go all different places. I think. And one Mississippi was like that kind of different. I mean, for a pop record, it was pretty diverse, you know, Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very high energy. Yeah. Some high energy ones. Some songs kind of like almost flamenco, like Emma J kind of has this weird flamenco vibe. And was like really mellow and kind of whatever I, I just so I think that this record is like again just a kind of it's it's a cumulative record it's it's everything that I have learned until now <laughs> that I've kind of put into practice and yeah. and not consciously like oh I'm gonna do a I'm going to try a hard rock song now you know <laughs> but just but just i'm ready for it when it happens i'm ready like this song seems like it should be like a hard rock song so yeah i'll play it like a hard rock song like because i can because i've practiced that shit before because i've always been trying different stuff i guess yeah well a song that really grabbed me was evil eyes it is so good it felt like it was straight out of consolers of the lonely too it had a very kind of uh raconteursy oh, cool. there were there any songs originally intended for help a stranger that were kind of aligned more with with a brendan solo effort or was it uh was it all sitting in the basement yeah there was kind of some songs there were there were some a couple of those songs were up for grass um for a minute there and they didn't really it didn't it just uh 
Well, Only Child was the song that was that I was planning oh, for my record. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I had a demo of it only in Only Child, track three. This is the song that Brendan brought to the table. And uh he actually recorded the beginning of it at his own studio. So the beginning was recorded at Brendan's studio and the rest of it was recorded at my studio. So that was kind of a nice thing to have it come out of both of our, our places. He, he uh, I think it contains the best lyric on the album that I couldn't top, which was the uh, only child prodigal son has come back home again to get his laundry done. I just thought that was just beyond uh, just a clever little thing, but something very deep and relatable to so many people. child only son treated like a criminal ever since day one only child where do you go and are you coming back again cause no one wants to know That one worked out, but then I, um, I'm in love with another song that I, that, well, no, that I, that I gave the racking tours, but, but no one responded. So, no. <laughs> so, so I just put it on my record. I don't know what you heard, what they told you, but everything is true. I'm in love with the way that you scold me. I'm obsessed with you. But I, I see now why, you know, why it wouldn't work as a raconteur song. You know, I, I don't know. I just didn't see it then. But it's, it is kind of, it's got this like kind of cock rock vibe to it, you know, like riff rock. And, you know, I think the raconteurs are not that. I mean, I think, I think we're better than that. <laughs> So, but I, I'm not, I'm not above anything. I, me, Brendan Benson solo, I'll do anything. <laughs> There's a tagline. <laughs> Some clickbait. Brendan Benson is a whore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we do know half a boy, half a man was on this album, and that one came out with Third Man. Was it? I think you kind of previously answered this in that the album was already made for many years, but was that song always destined for the album or was it uh, possible that it would just be a single? It was, in fact, the, the impetus for the album, I think. Looking back, I mean, I think it was the first, it was really the first song of this batch, you know, and it's special to me because it's, I don't know, it's kind of the, well, it was the moment, I think, when I realized I wanted to play, I just wanted to, you know, write and play music again, like not co-write, not produce other bands, not work with other people, but I want to do my song now, you know? Like, I think it was a big, it was a big, like, significant song for me. And it turned into, I think that song kind of turned into all the other songs, really. I mean, it made it made me, because I liked it. I was like, damn, this is good. I like this, you know, I want to, you know. I was born a welder son I do. 
Are there any possible B-side releases that we can look forward to? Uh, and if you can't uh, answer that, uh, blink twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I mean, yes, I'm sure. I, I can't remember, though, actually, if I have any B-sides. Like, I forgot about that. I'm sure I do. But um, <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one last thing from me here on this album. Did Third Man ask you if you wanted to put anything on the runout matrix or did you sneak in wet cement style and put your kids' names on there? <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Did, I am sorry I missed that. Did did they ask me what? If you wanted to put anything on the, the matrix for the wax to scrawl, I saw Declan and Adeline's names on there. <laughs> um Okay, you might be uh what's the matrix? What are you talking about? Oh, the um, it's like the the dead wax kind of deal right between the label. Holy and the- shit, dude! I didn't even. I just saw that. I didn't even. I didn't do that. Really? Wait. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no way! Dude, that's, I'm looking at it right now. That's hilarious. I didn't. Yeah. I don't think I approved that. <laughs> I mean, that's somebody else did that, which is brilliant. I'm so glad. Well, yeah, they they always put something on there, and I always look, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's adorable." And I know uh, I can't believe I didn't I can't believe I didn't look at my own fucking record because that's <laughs> of course that's the, that's the first thing you do is check that part of the vinyl, see what's written in there. <laughs> it was anything. the horse. The horse's secret identity did it. Oh well, thanks thanks for uh, hipping me to that. Hey, if uh, if Blackwell yeah. asks, just don't rat us out, please. <laughs> just say you you say you found it. <laughs> Right, okay. But you know what? I think it'll be kind of obvious when this podcast is out. Well, yeah. (laughs) We did kind of. Ah, (laughs) Yeah. All right, Brandon, to wrap up today, we have a lightning round, just a bunch of quick questions, quick answers. Boom, boom, boom. We're going to get right into it. Cue up the theme music and hit it. I'll try. Okay. All right. Do you have a guilty pleasure record? Guilty pleasure record, no such thing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Answer. What does one thing you notice Jack White do on stage that you've never noticed anyone else do on stage while you're performing with them? Oh gosh, there's a, quite a few things. Um, uh, brush his hair. Oh, okay. That's a good one. All right. Yeah. Uh, favorite he Elvis like Costello song? On stage. Huh? <laughs> um, favorite Elvis Costello song? Oh, um, <laughs> you can't do that to me. Okay, beyond belief. Okay. All right. All right. Here in the deadlights, is that about live performance or death, or neither? I gotta think about the song for a second. Here in the deadlights, there's so many hands. Oh, oh, um, yeah, performance it's about performance. Got it. I got it. Yes, thank you. I'm on the bed. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're 15 years old. You're spinning one album nonstop. What is it? Oh, duh. Um, Asia. Uh, Whoa. What was the big song? Heat of the Moment? <laughs> yes. Heat of the Moment. 15? Yes. I'm probably yeah. Heat of the Moment. It was either Heat of the Moment or The Cars. Um, first record. Wow, that's awesome. Beautiful. Name one thing that isn't in Nashville that you miss about Detroit. The ocean. Oh, <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> um, 
Oh, Middle Eastern food. Ah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. What's one band t-shirt you refuse to throw away? Oh, um, yeah, I got some. Uh, my Sadie's shirt. Okay. And the last thing here, weirdest fan encounter in the wild. <laughs> in the wild? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, there's been, there's been a couple. Um, but <laughs> one was some, one was some girl, well, two girls showed up at my house one night. Um, oh my God. Just knocked on my door. I just, like, my got God. up from, like, my couch, probably in my undies, you know, kind of thing, like, late. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, is this really you? <laughs> and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Um, are you no, really here to get that on? We would have also accepted this podcast as an answer. <laughs> Brandon, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for talking to us today. This has been great. Hey, thanks for the new album. Thanks for everything. All the great music over the years. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, and thank you for the new album and uh, for just playing through uh, playing through this weird isolation that we're all feeling. Uh, we're all counting on yeah. you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> You're our only hope. <laughs> your only hope. Thank you so much, Brendan. Yeah, thank you guys. All right. Dude. All right, we'd like to thank Brendan Benson once again. That was awesome, Brendan. Thank you. Great talking to you. Hey, you remember when we talked about Pornhub Jr.? <laughs> That was something we talked about with a famous person. It was this was it was amazing. And so everybody go pick up Dear Life. It's on sale now and uh, enjoy that. Give it to a friend, you know. Uh, give it to yourself, give it to a spouse, give it to someone you're in quarantine with. Celebrate life. It is a life affirming record. Give it to an acquaintance. Give it to your neighbor. Give it to a dog. A talking dog? <laughs> oh my god. It's a talking dog and now he owns a copy. Of Brandon Benson's Dear Life? Now we're warmed up. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, I'm going to start recording. <laughs> got to really cold start the old the old warp engines there. Really going really gonna to drain your dilithium. Pump that, people. So yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. If this is your first time tuning in, you know, we do this all the time. Yeah, the bad skits, the uh, typewriters, the... That was one of our more contained skits, to be honest. Oh, yeah. We tried to contain it. And oh my god, Clippy's back. Hello. Uh, <laughs> anyway, if you're yeah, if it's your first time, uh, this welcome and this is what we do and I'm glad you joined us for the Brendan interview. Yeah. Oh, that rhymed. Sure. And we'd also like to thank our Patreon patrons, the people who are helping support the show. We have a few here. I'm going to go from the back up. We never do that. So I'm going to thank Melinda Endress. You look pretty in your fancy Endress. I'm going to thank Elizabeth Myers. The name's so nice we named it twice. Rolling in on a burning Myers or one eye, one blank stare, looking up Myers there. We have the Brett Three Killed My Garski. We have Yvette Wilkins, Wilkins on Sunshine. We have Brenda Englehart. We want to be the boys to warm your Englehart. We have Kate McCoy, The Bones of the Operation. We have Stu Cat. Or Stu Driver, we have Julia Hickling, the $3 Hatmig. We have Melinda Taylor, send me an angel down. We have Joe Shaken all over, Josh Aiken. We have Luke Sinclair, or Luke me over closely. Tam Davis, our third person in spirit every week. Actually, you know, on I was talking to Tam about the Brendan interview, and she was complimenting our questions. And 
we were talking about you know if Jack was on the show what we what were we going to ask him and I was telling her that when we got close around episode 100 I did start typing a what would we ask Jack document and it was really hard to come up with what on earth to ask Jack White. I feel like if we had to do that, it would just wind up being about bowling or something. Like, I don't know if it's almost like the dog catching the car and then the dog has to then interview the car. Paul, I don't know if you've seen the famous work, uh, The Dark Knight, but uh, we're just a couple of dogs chasing a car. Uh, we'd also like to thank Michael Brookfield or Bone Brookfield and Derek Ferguson, Forever Ferguson. And actually, we have a new one to add here, James. Shane Ben Jamson sent Ooh. us some sent us some some greenbacks. Is that what they call them? Greenbacks. Greenback sounds that racist. Is racist. <laughs> I'm not gonna call them greenbacks. Um, sent us a couple of clams. Sent us sent us some bones. Shane Ben Jamson sent us some money, so thank you, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> so we're he gonna. Us, he's some kind of bone collector. <laughs> anyway, yes, thank you, Shane. That was very wonderful. The Shane Ben Jam session, or was it the Shane boy you've always known? I think we changed it to the Shane boy you've always known. I'm gonna write both. Fantastic. I wrote it. Now, I'm wondering, I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead to the fact that we're still making yawn break puns with pictures here. And I'm looking at this thing and it's, I might have to talk it through because I don't know if I fully understand it. It does look like, a for like a do, like an awning. Yeah. An on. Well, Paul, I, I, I included the text as well. on. Because there's a name for this thing. It's a sawn brace, Paul, because it was rough sawn, and it wow. is a wooden brace. All right. Um, it's a sawn brace. <laughs> if you would like to interact with us, I don't know why you would. If you would like to interact with us <laughs> on the internet, James, there are several ways people can do that. Mm-hmm. They could do many things. Uh, they could find us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash thirdmen. You could tweet at us at thirdmencast on Twitter. You can tumble on down with us. That's thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You can find our website, fancy and new, thanks to some fun behind-the-scenes work from Josh Aiken, Joe Shaken all over. That's thirdmenpodcast.com. It is no longer under the oppression of WordPress, the op- a word pression you can email us at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com with any uh listener questions or or uh anything you just say hi even why you not say, say hi, hi to us. yeah might as well yeah, say just hi say, just say hi you can find us on instagram that's at the third men underscore podcast paul posts all kinds of fun images to go along with the episodes he used to do it on facebook now he does it on instagram because it's a better format for the photos and uh he does a fantastic job a bang-up job one oh, thanks might say yeah, this is a, Instagram is is old hat at this point. I mean, it's still popular, but we need to do it. We need to get on the TikTok. Got to get on TikTok. Got to get on TikTok. Do some kind of TikTok challenge. James, have you made a three second backwards video on rice aroni? That's the that's the real new one. I just I just it? created it a moment ago. It's my new app, rice aroni. Yes, it's everything no, is um, backwards in only three seconds. Can you stomach it? And that's the tagline. Can you stomach it? 
Our show is hosted by Acast. We uh, we love Acast. They're great service. But why did we get rough and slop? I guess it's because it's almost midnight over here for me, but you have no excuse. It's been a weird day. It's been a weird week. It's been a weird nice. couple of months. It's been a weird 69 days, huh? Hey, nice. Sexy. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Paul's right. Acast is what hosts our show. I used to have a romantic relationship with Pippa, uh, and I have since cast it aside for Acast. And, um, you know, they broke my heart a couple times, but they're good. Uh, you can search The Third Men on YouTube by going to our YouTube channel. That's uh, youtube.com slash C slash The Third Men Podcast. You could rate, review, and subscribe. There is an easy way to do that, Paul. You can go to rate us dot thirdmenpodcast.com it's an easy way that takes you right to a uh, to a a page where you can rate us and that'll be great leave us a five star review won't you it would be great uh, if you do that it really helps boost the show and you can leave a little uh, message there and if you can work the word disdain, disdain into your review it has to be five stars, but if you can work the word disdain into your review, let us know. Shoot us an email, and we will send you something in the U.S. Postal Service while it still survives. Yeah, well, it's active. And um, If you'd like to send us a listener question, you could do that. We usually do one of those toward the end of the season, and we're nearing the end of the season here. And as always, we'd like to thank Sam Kewart and Tom Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song, We're the Third Men, as well as Susanna Roundtree for the lovely intros and outros of our program. And that's been our Brendan Benson interview episode cannot believe it until next episode i will be looking for a home in that bubble with my boy being well fed i'll be looking for a home inside the latest meme craze in which people listen to brendan benson's new album dear life backwards for three seconds (laughs) it's it's a really loud noise For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. best we had <laughs> look paul we know brendan has already clicked off he's he's already turned the episode off all right i'm pressing stop brendan i'm sorry uh that <laughs> that no <laughs> he's not brendan. here right now james loosen up <laughs> You too. Good. Um, who are you? Uh, I'm James. I'm, I'm Paul's brother. <laughs> uh, our voices James are going to be very similar. Hopefully, it's not going to conflict. But yeah, I'm. I'm I know you, you. You guys sound exactly the same. <laughs> um, well, we're going to come well, at you in scary. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> nope. You said not embarrassing for the Brendan episode.
I have been, by the way, watching ever since then. I Every once in a while, I'll absorb something from this show into my daily life. Like, for instance, I've made a ritual out of watching The Family Feud every night since I did... Specifically the, the Richard Carnes. <laughs> since, since we did that first game show episode, that has entered into my life. And lately... Amazon Prime is streaming every season of Unsolved Mysteries, and I've been watching a lot of Unsolved Mysteries. It's both one of the best shows and one of the worst shows I've ever seen in my life. The UFO ones are always great. Oh, they're fantastic. I bounce around until I get to the UFO ones. And you know, Rob... When it's like her, Robert's his dad. husband left her, but he liked her so much, there was no way he would have left. And then they find him in Texas like two weeks later or something. <laughs> and you know Robert Stack is at first gritting his teeth like, all right, we'll do a couple UFO ones just to spice it up, to get some ratings. And towards the end, Robert Stack is like all in. He's yeah. like, Bigfoot? He may have come in the studio. I don't know. <laughs> have any ideas on what I could do to stop a sentient paperclip that has gone from puppet to madman. Here I was thinking I was going to be able to comfortably edit out Clippy the the weird paperclip (laughs) puppet. And now he's so integral to the episode, I don't think I can. That's my secret fault. I keep mentioning a thing. Much like, I'm like George Costanza, where I leave my keys at a house, and then I have to. I can come back and say I left them there. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. No, you can find us. Uh, uh, have we tried weed jokes? Hey everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not-for-profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100-plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process, and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like, chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on. It can be as much or as little as you can swing, and all donations are greatly appreciated. The last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash, so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough, but if you would like to help us out, that would be amazing. All right, that's all from me. Remember, you can head to patreon.com slash thirdmenpodcast, and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already. All right, everybody, I'll see you on the show. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. 
This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Are there noodles Mom and Dad waited four whole years between us. I was, <laughs> I was three and a half 